I'm Paola Radalis. And I'm Janice Lobo-Sapigo. And this is... Panay Astrology. Astrology. Two Panay's, one podcast by pop, poem, pop culture and the planet. Morning, Janice. Right. <gasps> Morning, pal. <laughs> How has your week been? Good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. Um, I feel like this week I paid less attention to the news and maybe just more attention to myself and my work. Um, yeah, so I feel like this week went by, uh, even if I didn't pay attention to the news, I realize I'm still the same amount of tired, the same amount of exhaustion. So I'm glad that I had that, or I realized it without looking at what is what else is going on in the world. So, what about you? How's your week? I was also very exhausted this week, and I don't think we're alone. I felt like every other person on Twitter and every other person I was talking to was saying the same thing. Like I probably took more naps this week than I have like most of quarantine, actually. And you know, I like my naps, but mm. I just felt really, really tired. And it was the exact same thing. I like, I am unplugged so much from the news this week outside of just like my work stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, I was talking to you about how the Supreme Court, um, you know, hearings around the nomination were going on this week and I didn't follow any of it. Like, I don't think I saw a single <laughs> thing about oh my god what's her fucking name again amy coney, coney barrett, barrett. <laughs> god, i don't even yes. want to say her name fuck her <laughs> yes i agree i watched some things and, and i listened to some parts of of the broadcast of her um and you know i don't know what it's called hearing nomination hearing mm-hmm. um and a lot of times i just kind of saw well you know from both both democratic and Republican parties, I just saw a lot of really bad presentations and a lot of um, long-winded contextual questions. And from her, I heard very little, you know? (laughs) Um, And so I'm also just kind of like, I was like, oh, wow, like, even if I disagree with this woman, like, she's still subject to sexism, you know? (laughs) Um, And I just saw some, like, I remember I saw um, someone present about um, how she is basically um, tied up with like big money and like big corporations. And someone, instead of having a PowerPoint, which makes me wonder like, why don't they have fucking big screens in that like little courthouse that they have for their meetings? Because this person printed a like big ass foam poster board. (laughs) And they presented all of their materials on big foam poster boards. So their aides were like holding them up. But the funny thing is that they were matted and it wouldn't have been any better if the posters were gloss because we still couldn't really fully see what was being presented. So, (laughs) you know, that's really standard in, um, I'm I'm not as familiar with court house hearings. Actually, it kind of does sound like they always still will show the exhibits like that. Mm -hmm. But even in like local city council hearings that I'm in, like we've printed these like foam board things because yeah, we don't have the option to like kind of put up slides when we're like giving public testimony. Like I would have to come in with my giant ass like foam core poster board thing if I really wanted something like printed to like physically present like that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's so archaic. Right? It's fucking time to update. It's time to update, like, 
I was just thinking about, um, like, cause I, I finally did, I got finally got my ballot. And so I did my, um, I finally voted. I need to mail it though, but I voted. And then I was like deciding on all of these like bond measures for public schools, um, bond measures for like, um, you know, like public civic buildings. And then I thought, will this money <laughs> go towards getting these people big screens so they can have better presentation skills? <laughs> So I don't know if it's going to go there, especially if this is just like the, I don't, I don't want to say it's like tradition more than it's like a long standing preference that people need to let go of. So um, that's how much I was paying attention to these nomination hearings. Oh my God. So, yeah. I hope yeah. it goes toward those things. Like we have neighborhood boards over here, which are, they're mm -hmm. not like decision-making bodies, but it's like places where people can go and like voice their concerns and also learn about what's happening in the, their specific neighborhood. And then the neighborhood board can make, um, they can still like make recommendations or they can um, endorse certain things. And then mm -hmm. the, you know, in theory, the city council and the state legislature and those kind of things are supposed to like, you know, put a lot of weight on that because these, this is like a space where the community gives like their public input and stuff. And I brought these mm -hmm. high school students I was working with who like, you know, for those of you who are into astrology, like the high school students I'm working with right now all have Jupiter and Virgo. <laughs> and oh, wow. So, yeah. And so their activism and their like organizing interests or things like like these students want to improve traffic on their campus like that's what they want to organize mm. their classmates around us it's like oh my fucking god I'm here for it because it's such a localized like issue and it's like easy to kind of organize around it's winnable but it's also just so fucking Virgo <laughs> that you want to fix oh, wow. traffic on campus <laughs> yeah and so, these students put together like the most immaculate PowerPoint because again Jupiter and Virgo <laughs> And then, but they get to the neighborhood board meeting and of course there's like no projector. There's like, we, we tried to like fix it, get it in advance and we brought in our own projector, but they didn't even have a screen to project on. So we had to like figure out a way to do it on the wall. And it was just like, oh, these poor students. Like I had to like this, like we, we were, and I luckily, again, I printed out copies mm. of the PowerPoint just in case this fucking bullshit was going to happen. And so <gasps> they were still nice. able to do the presentation, but oh my God, like, yes, please all you different municipalities out there and courthouses and whatever like upgrade to the 21st century thank you yes thank you that's what we're voting for <laughs> oh my gosh i'm just reading here that jupiter and virgo is quietly ambitious and i feel like that makes sense with what you're saying <laughs> Yes, yes, students, oh like, knowing, like, yeah, like, taking these kind of small steps, like, rather than, yeah, like, maybe it's not the biggest, most radical idea, but it's gonna, like, help us build power, because it is stuff that impacts us on, like, our day-to-day -day lives. Like, traffic really is a fucking problem in a lot of school campuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Maybe the students should hold the town halls. I don't know. You know, yes. like, wouldn't that be dope if, like, the students lead it and then the adults come there? Like, that's that's what should really happen. <laughs> like, the yes. people who need something should be able to hold a town hall and then all of the, like, necessary constituents should come and be like, hey, what can I do? How can I help? Instead of, like, it's really the people in power who hold them to, like, attempt trans. 
So I think that's maybe why I have been feeling, and so many people have been feeling like they're just kind of shut out by a lot of these political processes. Um, and maybe that's why I also didn't, I didn't even know that um, the like presidential candidates had town halls this week, like almost like in lieu of debates, like, hey, let's not let them, you know, get at each other. Maybe let's just have them like spout off on whatever issues and then whoever supports them can watch, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't even know those were happening. So I didn't know either. And town halls, <laughs> town halls always make me think of Parks and Rec, which is going to be what we're going to talk about <laughs> next week. Yes, <laughs> next week. I'm so excited. <laughs> I hate town halls, but I actually, actually also like at the same time love town halls because actually we did have a plan with the students. Like we wanted to hold these like youth organized town halls that we would invite. Mm. You know these local legislators and people running for office it's an election year so it's like a perfect opportunity because like you know mm -hmm. these fuckers are always gonna try to find every opportunity to like you know campaign but mm -hmm. yeah covid unfortunately just shut down a lot of that for us but yep that's definitely something we want to do maybe once we're able to gather again yeah speaking of like being able to gather again it seems as though a lot of our <laughs> state legislators have deemed it okay for more people to gather like I know in California now um, I think we're in like the orange tier because it goes from like red to purple to orange to yellow or something like that uh -huh. um, and so in the orange tier now they are allowing people to go back into gyms they're allowing people to eat indoors um, more retail shops are are able to hold larger percentages of people and part of me is like, I get it, but nothing has changed. Like there is no like widespread available vaccine for this virus. Um, and so, yeah, like I know Paula and I were talking about how like the cases are rising and more things are opening and it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Yes. What is I, it like in Hawaii? <laughs> I'll go on a quick tangent about it because for the tiers, like it's just so funny how every different municipality has like phases and tiers and like Hawaii mm -hmm. started with phases and then like a month ago, like our mayor was like, no, we now have a tier system and there's this um, rent rental company. It's like, you know, it's like a, a, you could go there and rent anything like a lawnmower or like whatever. And the, yeah. they have this, like, they're on a busy street and they have this marquee where they always change like their messages to something funny. And uh, after the tier system rolled out, they, all they put down was not phases, just tears, but they spelled tears as in like T-E-A-R-S. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like they always do puns it. like that. <laughs> and so, but anyway, yeah, no, it's, it's a whole ass mess here because on mm. October 15th, Hoy decided to reopen tourism or reopen it a little more. So prior to the 15th, they were, um, people could still come here, but you had the quarantine for 14 days. And, mm. um, so it, obviously it was deterring a lot of people from coming here for good reason, because yeah, no one's going to want a vacation in Hawaii uh, if you're going to be just sitting in your hotel room the whole time. And so they're reopening, um, in a sense that now you can bypass that 14 day quarantine. If you show a negative COVID test result within 72 hours upon arrival, but Mm -hmm. It's just, I mean, obviously it's just so flawed, right? Because it's like, okay, you could test negative and then now you're in a plane, uh, sitting on an airplane for like six hours with a bunch of other people who never yes. didn't get tested at all. 
and mm-hmm. uh, there's just so much other points of contact. You, you could still contract <laughs> COVID in that period of time. And yeah. we, and yeah, sure enough, like they reopened on the 15th and the news yesterday, so yesterday was the 16th, the news yesterday was that we had over, um, I think it was 10,000 arrivals just mm-hmm. in like a day wow. or something crazy like that. And um, Jesus. And it's scary because, like, our, our cases haven't gone down that much. They are also talking about moving tiers for us. Like, ours aren't colored. Ours are numbered. We have four tiers, and tier one is the one we're on. And they're saying we can move to tier two as soon as Thursday. And I'm like, really? You don't want to fucking wait until, like, you know, like, tourism just reopened. Like, I think every, yeah. anyone who has common sense can anticipate that cases are going to go up because we have more people coming in. And it's like, you mm-hmm. really want to move to a second tier? Like, after tourism's only been reopened for a week. Yeah, totally. That's so fucking irresponsible. 10,000. And that's not just like the like state of Hawaii being irresponsible. That's like all the 10,000 people who are also going there. You know, it puts so many different people at risk. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Like a week later. So you're already planning more of an opening, even if um, you don't have the results of the prior opening, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. It's like saying like, I'm going to start one fire and then I'll just see when it puts itself out, but I'll start a new one in the middle of that fire. That doesn't make any sense. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, wow. And then it's just, uh, the other okay. just like heartbreaking thing in all of it was uh, my union represents the concession workers at the airports. And, mm-hmm. you know, the thing we've constantly been hearing about with the reopening is that we have to do it because we have so many unemployed people, which is true. Like we have the highest unemployment rate in the U.S. because we depend so much on tourism. And so mm-hmm. they keep saying like, we got to reopen tourism so we could bring jobs back. But on the same day that tourism reopened on the 15th, the state airports laid off 662 workers and it just makes zero sense yeah it it makes zero zero like it it makes no sense why and so all these 10,000 tourists are now coming in and it's like almost none of the restaurants and the starbucks are open because yeah like 85 percent of the workers have been laid off wow which is like what a I don't know. It's just like such a shitty opportunity. Like there's so much of a chance for people to really rebuild and figure out like, Hey, like, since it's like just us in our city, in our County, like, what do we need? How can we really service each other without needing tourism, which also also like ultimately like kills the environment. So I don't know. Um, Oh, I wanted to like quickly correct myself about the tears. I I said it was red and then purple. It's, purple and then red. So purple means widespread. And I I guess I'm glad though that like the colors go, I mean, but also this is like some colorist shit, right? Like when the most dangerous thing is the darkest color and then the most safe thing is the lightest. Like, come on, just because it's not in colors of like brown, black, or white doesn't mean it's not fucking colorist. So I agree. um, And it also, it doesn't make sense in my head to uh me. Like why purple would be the worst. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, right? Like purple is at the end of the rainbow. Red is in the beginning. Like, come on. So purple means widespread. Red is substantial, which is like four to seven cases. Um, Orange is like one to 3.9 cases, which is interesting. And then minimal risk is less than one case. So, but like, it seems like I, 
I have this terrible feeling that they wanted the worst to be black first, and then someone mm-hmm. fucking stepped in and was like, that, don't do that. <laughs> and then and they're they like, no. Compromise to purple. Purple. Yeah, that doesn't make any fuck. I just hate it, and I see it in so many different places where, like, people use a color gradient, and I just can't help but think of, like, oh, where is the placement of that darker color? Even if it's, like, on clothes or, like, infographics, like, I still wonder how do people use those things, though. It's still fucking racist. So, <laughs> <sighs> um, yep. Well, we hope everyone out there stays safe because it does seem like cases are going up, um, especially in the U.S., but Mm -hmm, I heard Europe's mm kind of struggling, too, in certain countries, and I'm sure other places that are, like, talking about Mm -hmm. reopening and things like that are struggling with it, too, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's going on astrologically that kind of (laughs) explains what the fuck happened this week? Oh my god. I, I'll save most of it for the reading because there is just mm-hmm. quite a bit to talk about. But yeah, we, we had Mercury retrograde or Mercury stationed retrograde. What day was that again? Shit. Like I'm like losing um, track of like my fucking days. Um that was, was it Wednesday? On, no, Tuesday. That was the 13th. And mm-hmm. so yeah, Mercury is now retrograde in Scorpio. And you know, like Mercury retrogrades are already just gonna be full of um shenanigans, but in Scorpio and just with the current astrology, it's just um yeah, things are just kind of messy and challenging right now. We also had a new moon in Libra, which I'll definitely talk more about in the reading, but that was on mm-hmm. October 16th, so that was just last night for us. And um yeah, no, this is, um, you know, I've said over and over again on this podcast, like October was definitely supposed to be like, astrologically speaking, the worst of 2020. And uh, so we're here. We're in it now. Mm, yeah. yeah. How, what was how, how, how do you think this week's been? I mean, you mentioned you were tired and exhausted, but yeah. Oh my god, I was just gonna ask you something similar, like what is a Mercury retrograde story that has already occurred for you? Um, and so for me, it was on Thursday. Um, it, like, yeah, so that was this past Thursday, two days after Mercury retrograde, and um, we had a professional development day at the college where I work at, and um, the first session on Zoom was at 9 a.m., and I had registered early, I had the link ready to go, and I clicked on the link, and of course, I wasn't able to get into the conference, right? I wasn't able to get into the Zoom room where, um, like, our one of our campus leaders was giving an update on the campus, and then uh, next thing you know, I get, like, a slew of emails from fellow colleagues colleagues from around the college who are like, I can't get in. What's the password? I can't get in. What's the meeting ID? Why can't I get in? And then you just have the organizers responding to every single person saying, click here, click there. Here's the password. And like, none of it worked. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, oh, this is a Mercury retrograde story, which actually made me more patient. um, And it made me a little more empathetic for the people who are organizing, because I don't think it was like, I don't think it was their fault, you know? Like, there are yeah. some things that just happen. Um, and a lot of people have different forms of familiarity with Zoom and online learning. So, yeah, like, of course, people are going to reply and have those mass emails. Um, but I just thought it was really funny. And I was like, you know what? If I'm late to this thing, it's not a big deal. Nobody's checking for me. As long as I know I'm there, it'll be fine. And I made it, but I, I couldn't help but think the whole time, this is Mercury Retrograde, like, dancing on our professional development day. <laughs> it, it is a 
annoying that Zoom decided to roll out the whole, you know, it's a new thing now with the meeting rooms that you either have to have a password or you have to have the waiting room enabled like a week before Mercury retrograde. So yeah, I've, I've, I haven't had anything like that major kind of come up, but I did have like one small meeting where, yeah, it was kind of the exact same thing where like we were, I was just struggling to get in and I was just like, oh my God, like, <laughs> like send me the correct link and the password and none of it was yes. like working, but like I only worked when I. I, um, I had to input the ID number and the password like manually, like not mm. like link just wasn't working for whatever reason. Um, mm -hmm. But no, like my <laughs> my stereotypical Mercury retrograde is that I became the ex who reached out. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh my god i remember seeing this on twitter um mm. yeah pal tell the people what that was like i don't know you know i um i'm glad i did it and it was just like i guess it also just tracks it just well scorpio is also in my seventh house of relationships but i i think it just tracks with the scorpio in general that it was basically like i want to come over and cry and be hugged and then I want to leave and then he was like okay <laughs> and then I did exactly that we caught up for like maybe a little bit watched like a couple of YouTube videos and then like I left mm. and as I was leaving I was like I'm gonna disappear again and he was like okay I understand and I was like bye mm. and that was it yeah yeah I really like that I feel like it's also um it's different for you I, I'm really glad that you're like, you know what, I need this, I'm going to go get this, but that's all I need, you know? <laughs> yeah. That restraint is really important. I feel like the restraint is a little bit of Scorpio too, like a needed restraint, not like I feel like hella uncomfortable with it, right? Like you got to declare what you wanted and you got it. You that's not true. It. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like, you know, like, both, like, Aries and Mars, and Aries, Mars, Aries and Scorpio are Mars-ruled signs, but I do think mm -hmm. the key difference between the two is the restraint. Not that Scorpio can't be impulsive, but Aries is especially more known for yeah, being yeah. impulsive, and I really do think the difference is the element. It's a air sign, or air sign, oh my god, I don't know, this Mercury retrograde brain. Um, it's a fire <laughs> sign versus a water sign, and I do think the water does give um, Mars the ability to like just slow down a little bit and just like it's still like both are you know Mars is about desire and going after your desires and I do think Scorpio has more of the ability to kind of slow down and just dig deeper on like what is it that like you really want and then going from yeah. there whereas Aries is like I'm gonna fucking go for it and not even really think yeah. about it <laughs> That makes so much sense because water can be restraining. Like you can be like, I'm going to, I'm going to swim hella fast, but it doesn't matter because it's also what the water allows you to do. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Wow. I like that. Um, yeah. I think my, my last Mercury retrograde thing was like, um, I don't, I don't know where this fits in, but it was like a good thing. Um, my colleague and I organized a poetry workshop for our colleagues and we were nervous that no one would come. And so a lot of people came, there was maybe like t up to like 21 people, colleagues from like physics to, um, you know, I don't know, English and 
uh, art. Like it was so great. It was so great to see other people. And what was funny is a lot, I think like in terms of Mercury retrograde, it allowed people to communicate. It allowed them mm. to share things that they maybe otherwise wouldn't say because they don't associate poetry with something necessarily political, even though it is. It is. Um, and so I think a lot of the people who came a lot, when they shared their work, they were, and these are like grown ass adults, you know what I mean? Like they are like professors, some, some tenured, some just teaching for a long ass time and almost 80% of them before they shared a poem, which they volunteered to share, by the way, they were like, Oh, I'm not a poet, but here's what I wrote. Or this is not a poem, but here's what I wrote. And I'm not a good writer, but here's what I've got, you know? And I was like, how many people keep qualifying that? Like, you know, like so many people keep saying that they're not, but I just think um, there's something about the title that maybe um, people are afraid of a little bit, but I think mm. at least the workshop allowed them to like come into contact with it. Um, not necessarily confront it, but they got to see like, oh shit, like, I could do this. And there are some fire ass lines in some of the um, poems that people wrote. So maybe that'll be part of my shout outs. But that was a really good workshop, which I really appreciated and want to do again. So that's so <laughs> cool. And that the title thing does come up in astrology as well. Like people are mm. so hesitant to call themselves astrologers unless they're like a professional astrologer quote unquote like whatever that means or like they take mm. clients you know and that kind of stuff and um I've even had clients who be like oh like I I'm like scared to call myself an astrologer and I'm like no you're if you're sending astrologer you're a fucking astrologer that's that mm. that's my take yeah what um what changed for you like how did you decide to call yourself an astrologer Ooh, that's a good question I um you know I think the official time like it happened for me was maybe like I'm, I might be getting the date wrong but I, I'm pretty sure it was like around spring or maybe even early summer of this year there was a thing going around on Twitter where someone was like um you know if you put astrologer in your handle um it's people are going to be more likely to you know who like want to book like readings and stuff or like want to follow your content they're going to be more likely to follow you because it's like right in your handle and I very quickly changed mine to that but then it was interesting seeing like just people's responses because that that's where it was coming out a lot of people are like oh I'm really hesitant to like put this in my handle because I'm not really oh, wow. or like I'm a student of astrology and I'm just like and and I guess it's funny I, I don't know I don't know exactly what the switch was for me because for the longest time my bio put like oh I'm studying a traditional astrologer mm. I'm a stu traditional astrology student but mm -hmm. um but yeah, I think it was at that moment where I just consciously realized, I was like, no, I'm a fucking astrologer. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. I actually have been wanting to ask you that for a really long time. So <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I feel like that's a good segue. Unless you have anything else to talk about for that's our it. intro. I feel like that's a I good segue, segue to the too. game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So today's game, I think we're like kind of bringing it back to just even the first episode in terms of tone. Because mm -hmm. what we're gonna do, um, it's actually quite simple. I think we're just gonna ask each other 
three reflective questions and mm-hmm. neither of us know what the question's going to be. <laughs> and we both pulled these questions from two different sources. So um, there's a New York Times article that came out in 2015 and it was titled something like, oh my gosh, like 36 questions that lead to love. And I heard about this through another podcast actually called the Multi-Amory Podcast. And mm-hmm. on the podcast, they, they, yeah, they're asking each other questions from this. But I don't think it's like reserved just for romantic or intimate partnerships. Like I think, um, yeah, I think this can lead to like platonic love, all sorts of love as well. But the whole idea is you ask these 36 questions um, or can ask any combination of them to build intimacy and to get to know someone on a deeper level. And then do you want to talk about the second source we got these questions from? Yeah, the second source came from one of my colleagues who was talking about different warm-ups that she would use at the beginning of her class. And it's an Instagram handle that's called underscore mind snacks, like um, Tauruses eating snacks. (laughs) (laughs) And um, cancers. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I just felt like hella added when you said that. But yes, (laughs) cancers too. Um, Yeah, so I just like, has a series of questions and so we each pulled questions from those two sources knowing that we full well might have the same ass questions because that tends to happen to us um but yeah should we alternate do you want to go first you want me to go first what do you think i'll go first yeah i and this one's from mind snacks and um by the way this is a really quick aside but um for those of you who follow me on twitter if you're not you should because i retweeted this thread i did i don't know if you saw it i did a thread back in february when i was like first trying to get on dating apps and on bumble Mm -hmm. you can chew pick what sign you can put what sign you're on Um, what sun sign you are and I was I spent an entire day just going through profiles like I even wasn't really swiping on people like um, (laughs) just so I could see if there were like stereotypical examples of like people as their sign and sure enough I made a whole ass thread on it but yeah all the cancers and the Tauruses talk a lot about like there is one where the question I think this is this was for Taurus that the question was like Um, what's your idea of like sharing or like partnership or something like that and it was like um, (laughs) splitting like a pizza like (laughs) (laughs) 50-50 that's hilarious oh Oh my god God, yeah okay anyway yes so my first question I pulled from mind snacks and it is what's the quirkiest hobby or routine that brings joy to your life Ooh, for me, yes. Oh my God, my answer is um, my skincare routine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, walk us through your skincare routine. Janice's skin is beautiful, by the way. (laughs) Thanks. Um, I just take a lot of like, pride in taking care of my skin skin because um, it really just allowed me to, to just um, one, like value my face more. I don't know. I think I, sometimes like when I get really down on myself, I think like, oh shit, like, you know, I just, maybe I've always kind of dealt with this, but just feeling like, oh, like, oh, okay. I just don't really feel good today. I don't feel pretty. I don't feel beautiful. And so, um, when I started taking care of my skin, it actually was because of one of my friends who started off, started out as one of my mentees. She loves taking care of herself and she's a Gemini. I think it just kind of like rubbed off on me. But when I take care of myself so I always use um I always use just like a makeup remover wipe um every morning and then in the evenings too like when I'm about to go to bed so in the morning when I wake up I have this spray it's called um I, I buy a lot of brands from 
buy a lot of brands, buy a lot of makeup and skincare stuff from the brand used to the people. Um, they use a lot of like vegan, uh, vegan ingredients and it's a little expensive which i know but they have a lot of clean products which i really like and so there's like a spray that i put on beforehand it's like an i know this is really nerdy it's an ashwagandha spray and ashwagandha helps with de-stressing and um uh taking away or like i don't know yeah it just helps with de-stressing and so i think it helps with like the stresses that we carry on our face and then after that i put on some kind of moisturizer um one that i really like is from the brand called origins i hate the name of it it's called gin zing it's like ginger <laughs> and it like has a little zing on it but it's because it uses um a citrus extract i know who the fuck am i but it uses a citrus extract to like wake up your skin so i like the way it feels it like kind of tingles a little bit and then after that I use a glow oil also from <laughs> used to the people and it just gives me that like natural highlight which I really love um and then so I don't I won't overdo the moisturizer but that's what I, I use and then when I clean I use um I know pal you're like this is too much Janice. Um, no I love it I want to <laughs> I want to tell me more <laughs> okay when at the end of the day when I'm cleaning my face off even if it's like I don't have makeup I don't wear foundation. Um, I just don't care to, I just don't have time. Um, and so when I clean my face, I use like a soy face cleanser. I think it's from fresh. Um, I really like their stuff because it's fresh. It really does feel really nice. Um, and then if I want to remove makeup or just remove like what I feel like to be like dirt from the day, I'll use, um, this thing called Hylamide. It's from The Ordinary, which is a Canadian company. And one of the other reasons why I like going to Toronto to visit my mentor in the suburbs. Um, but recently The Ordinary has be been made available in the United States. So I can go and purchase that around me here. Um, but yeah, I use Hylamide and then I just use the ashwagandha spray before I go to bed. Um, oh, I'm lying. And then I have a firming cream because I realized my neck started to get like, I could see like the little, you know, I could just see like the lines in my neck and I didn't like that. And so, um, yeah, I bought this very expensive <laughs> neck cream from also from Fresh and it has like a black tea firming extract. So that's a lot. And I do face masks. So there's that. <laughs> I love all of this. I'm here for it. My one of my coworkers was telling me that the neck thing is like gonna be a significant problem for like a lot of us because we're like looking mm. down on our phones so much. Mm. Yeah. And so the looking down is just yeah, it's obviously gonna, you know, yeah, work. Yeah. I'm hoping <laughs> that my firming cream can just kick in. I've been using it for like a year now. I'm running out. Um, but yeah, I believe in all the neck creams. And then I have a friend who uses it also on her collarbones um, mm. and like upper chest because why not? Why <laughs> She's not? <a> Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> but yes, that's my skincare routine. I love it. Okay. I have a question for you. <laughs> um, okay. My question is, from the New York Times article, um, what, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? Oh, my God. What, mm -hmm. if anything, is too serious to be joked about? You know, I, I actually don't joke around about too much, actually. Like, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. and I, um, yeah, like racism. 
racism, you know, like sexism, any of those, those kind of isms, like, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I just don't tolerate that shit. I think it's too serious to joke around about. Like, I don't, um, you know, like, comedians are starting to come more and more in their fire, especially, like, old school ones, because they just are, you know, like, we've talked about this before, when we, like, when you look at old TV shows, even, you know, from the 90s, and just how Mm -hmm. they do not age well because it's like the homophobia mm-hmm. and the transphobia yeah. and shows like friends just comes out clear yeah like i just think those things are too serious to joke about and they're it's just not funny it's just not funny no matter how mm-hmm. you know like even with like like you know for me as like like someone who's filipina and even if i like hear like yeah, even if it's, like, a Filipino comedian making jokes, you know, like, about, yeah. like, Filipinos, like, there's just, like, a really fine line, because sometimes some of the jokes, how, as soon as, like, I think it almost very easily, like, just goes into just, like, racist territory, I right? just, I'm just, like, yeah, too serious to talk about. Yeah, totally. I actually, in your, in your answer, I realized that, oh yeah, like a lot of your humor and what we laugh about is not about like shit that's fucked up or offensive to any particular group, but in pointing out the bullshit and like, um, the, the inadequacy of like white mediocrity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that, this is why we are, have this podcast together, because we enjoy the same kind of media, and yeah. a lot of it does call out white mediocrity. Yes. Uh, media gritty. Sorry. Me and the first... I when Janice and I first met in college, like, the very first event we organized together was a spoken word event, and um, the headliner was Yellow Rage, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of calling out this white mediocrity. <laughs> yes, oh my god, I love them so much. I still love them, even though they don't perform anymore, but yes, that was excellent. <laughs> Okay, my next question for you, and this is like, this is from the New York Times article, and it requires both of us to answer, actually, and this is very, it's very Leo, but um, we need to each alternate sharing something that you consider a positive characteristic of the other person, and we have to share five items total, so obviously I knew the question in advance, so like I put mines out already, but um, yeah, I guess we could just kind of go back and forth. Um, I'll start first. Um, one of the things that I really like about you is your style. Like, I like I, I just love it. Everything from, like, your outfits, the way you do your hair, your makeup, your earrings. It's just, like, it just is so you. And at the same time, it's just, like, cr- crazy because it's, like, also stuff, like, sometimes, I, like, you have outfits, like, I couldn't ever imagine myself wearing, but I feel like it just totally works for you, and that's what I love about it. Oh, oh, wow. I wasn't expecting this in the morning. I love it. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. Oh great. Um thank you. My like my my Leo mane is like being combed right now. Um Yeah. And Janice is a Libra rising and I'm a Taurus rising and we're both like Venus ruled rising. So I'm like, yes. <laughs> I do love this. Um okay, I'm like quickly writing down mine for you, but the first thing I came up with is like and I hope like the the numbers don't mean anything. They just come like it's just whatever I could think of first. But what I do admire about Paula is the amount of research she does with fucking anything. 
just anything, <laughs> right? Like, um, I remember once, like, I think you had, like, some random fact about, like, um, something about the way things are done in Alaska. This is, like, years ago. I don't know what it was. Or you just, like, you, you do so much research, and you always look at, I hate to say, like, the both sides of the argument thing, but you do that. Um, and you come away with it, like really knowing your argument and knowing what you think. And like, it just kind of strengthens what you believe. Um, and I don't know, I just really admire that. Like, I think that also contributes to our like composite Gemini moon because you just know so much. And, um, you're also very like, uh, you're like willing to share it, you know, like you don't like hoard or keep information or like gatekeep or withhold. It just, it's just really like refreshing. And it's, um, I just love asking you things because of it. So I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get that one a lot ever, ever since I was a kid, my family. Cause so just fun fact, my, I'll, every single person in my family doesn't call me Pow or Paola. They call me Nikki. It's a long story that I won't get into here, but my family's nickname for me is Nickopedia. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. Just cause of just all the random shit. I know. <laughs> okay. So my second thing that I really like love about Janice is she loves stuffed animals. And <laughs> it is just something that's always like ever since I met Janice, this is always something that's been her thing. It's like still her thing. Um, you know, this has been a really rough year for me and she mailed me two <laughs> stuffed animals that I named after bread. One of them is like a stuffed corgi because I'm obsessed with corgis and um, his name is Pandasol. And then and she also got me a stuffed cat that kind of looks like my cat Pharaoh. And um, her name is Brioche. <laughs> and but yes, I, I just love it because when I go see Janice and, um, you know, I see her and her stuffed animals and I just get to hear like the dialogues that she has with them and that they have with her partner and all that. Like, it's just... <laughs> um, I get to see all, like, yeah, I get to see different sides of, like, Janice, and, um, yeah, I, I just love it. Oh, my God. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I do love playing with stuffed animals. I will never stop. Oh, my God. Thank you. Not a lot of people know that about me, too. Like, the people that do, like, they think it's sort of just, like, a quirky thing, but no, like, I don't think they understand that when they, when they see my stuffed animals, what they're really looking at is uh, my animated bookshelf. <laughs> oh what a oh. good way of putting it yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah, they all I don't know yeah they all have preferences and it's just really funny um okay the second thing I really like about Paula is um and I know this might sound really corny but like I do think you're like hella strong and I'm not actually talking about powerlifting I think powerlifting is still very amazing of course but I think of it in so many different ways and I think we should all like stretch the way that we see the word strong because um I know that you're very introspective, like the way that you like write in your diary or journal every single day. Um, the way that I remember, like when we graduated from college and we were like, what the fuck? Like we, no one can find a job anywhere. And I remember you just like made a way, like you made a way for yourself. I think you're the only one out of like our friends who like didn't move back home with their parents, you know? And I just remember you doing that. And I remember that being really hard for you. I remember you were like a sh uh, shoe saleswoman, you know? Um, like, I just know, like, that was really hard for you. And 
um, I've just seen you like always make your way. Like you made your way in San Diego, you made your way in Honolulu. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I just, I think that's like really strong. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> oh my god, I just thought of like every uncle's favorite song is <laughs> My Way by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my gosh. People, yes. Uncles get into fights in bars in the Philippines over this song. Yeah. It's yeah. real. <laughs> oh yes. my gosh, I didn't realize I I like now that I'm like chose this question, I'm like, oh shit, this is gonna take long because like we're really answering okay. silly questions. But yeah, it's okay. Um yeah. my third favorite thing about Janice is I love love how you you just know exactly like when and how to listen and empathize and give advice and then finding like the right times to kind of like do it all like because you know like mm. not, and I really do feel like that's an art of emotional intelligence because yeah there are people where you will start talking about something and then you get unsolicited advice or <laughs> or they start talking about themselves or you know like I just feel like you know exactly like when and how to like do all that mm. and I mm -hmm. just think it's just like a really really beautiful thing to see over the years. Mm. Thanks I really worked on that I really tried my best to work on that even still so um yeah, I think it's like, it's like, maybe it's a cancer vibe because a, like, I feel like I have a sense of emotional intelligence, but when I talk to like cancer sons, I'm like, oh fuck, I don't know shit. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I don't know, maybe that's it too. It's like, I think when I come into contact with like some of my friends who really excel at certain qualities, it makes me want to work on that too, you know? Like it makes me want to listen more or it makes me want to um, like center what the other person is sharing. So yeah, thanks for noticing that. It's fun. <laughs> it's definitely a cancer Venus. Because like, I mean, Venus is, is how we connect and relate to other people, so. Mm, yeah. Um, I was gonna say for you, another thing I really admire is how consistent you are. Like, um, I still remember when you came to uh, stay with me during like a winter break or something during college, you came and you read a book in like one day. Do you remember that? You read <laughs> my brother's book. that was. <laughs> it became a movie and you're like, oh, I'm going to read this really quick. I think it's The Reader. I think it's The Reader. Oh, yes, it was The Reader. Oh my God. Yeah. And I did watch the movie years later. Yes. Yeah, because you were like, oh, it's going to be a movie. I'm going to read the book. And then you just, you borrowed it from the shelf and you read the whole last thing in a day. And I was like, and we still had conversation. So it wasn't like that was the only thing you did. So I remember that. And I also like, in terms of consistency too, like I know you have a routine and a schedule every day. And like when I would visit you in Honolulu, like I always remember you, you always like got up at the same time every day. You had the same routine, you know, and it's a routine, but also it's a ritual. So I just really admire that. I was like, oh shit, like she really fucking gets up at 6 a.m. And here I am like on my own vacation. <laughs> so yeah, that's all. I really admire your consistency. <laughs> oh my God. Just, just tourist things. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, routines make me happy. <laughs> I put as the next one um, that you're, I had a hard time wording this one. I, the best word I could come up with was like reliability. And there, the other word I was playing around with was loyalty, but I don't really like that word. 
that mm-hmm. much and I don't really know why I'll talk about that maybe later one day. but no I, I I've just like you know you're like one of my oldest friends at this point and I've just like really just found this like and it, it is consistency too actually I mean consistency is another word to put it put it is like you're just consistently there like you are just so reliable and um and yeah, I mean, if you can't get to something right away, like you will get back to me. And I, um, I feel like it's just kind of always been that way. And I feel like as you've gotten older, it's gotten better too, mm. because mm-hmm. like, like any young 20 year old, I'm sure there was just some flakiness as well. Just oh, like, yeah, yeah I yeah. just, cause that's just what it's like to be 21 and whatever. But no, I feel like over the years, it's like, you've just become so much more, like more and more reliable and consistent. And I just love seeing it. I'm just so appreciative oh. of it. Yeah. Thanks pal. I do regret the year I forgot to say happy birthday on your birthday. So what year was I that? Forget. I don't even remember. I believe that was 2013. Yeah. Oh my I gosh. Forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I remember. I hella remember. <laughs> um, yeah, I think maybe this is along with that, but I also, I think that I really admire your communication skills because like, I think um, when you're like very clear, like, you know, what you want to say and you say it. Um, and it's, it's usually like about the thing you're saying, like, it's not about like how you say, I think you just have a really good balance. And also, um, like, I think from you, I've learned to that, like, you know what to, com- I don't know how to say, you know what to communicate. Like, um, I've never felt like you've told me what to do when I've seeked advice. Um, I feel like you have always asked me to reflect and just think about like, well, what do I want from whatever kind of tense situation I'm in? And I've never felt like you had to um, take on whatever I was feeling, you know, like, I don't know, maybe, how do I say it? Yeah, I think that's it. I never felt like you um, like guided me in a, like in a way that wasn't right for me. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I just think like I have noticed it and I just wanted to shout it out, I guess. <laughs> oh, yes. Like I always have your best interest and heart. <laughs> Even when I don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, which is, yeah, it is, it is just a challenge of any kind of relationship, especially our friendships, when we can mm-hmm. see that our own friend doesn't even have their like own interests at heart and maybe they don't even realize it. But at the same time, it's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, how much do you insert yourself and how much do you really like judge that? You know what I mean? Like uh, that's like balance. Yeah. I constantly am still, I'm sure everyone kind of deals with it in some which way. Yeah. 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 I, um, my last thing is your realness and, but I also like really want to, it's not like, like I come across people who are just like, oh, I just like to keep it real. I keep it real, you know? And it's like, <laughs> like I have a cancer coworker that I don't get along with and she'll say that shit. And I'm like, no, like you're not being real. It's just, like, your real, your realness is like a defense mechanism. <laughs> it's not, um, and it's like the That's kind real. where she's like, oh, I do what I want. I don't really care what anyone else says, like kind of keeping it real, mm. you know? And it's like, no, like your I realness see. isn't that. Cause I also do feel like yours comes from a place of just like, um, 
being able to discern again discern like just kind of the relationship or the situation and like how real you want to be but also just being real with yourself too like if you don't feel like confronting that person like right at this moment because it's just going to keep your peace and like mm-hmm. it's not worth your time then yeah that's like that's just another part of like just you being real like most oh for most of yourself Oh my God. Thanks for saying that. Cause I've been feeling some guilt about not emailing this person back, but yeah, <laughs> I was like, it's better for me if I don't do that right now. So yeah. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, my last one for you is, I don't know. I don't know how much, oop, I don't know how much you identify with this, but, um, maybe, I don't know. I'm just going to say it. I, I have seen you draw. I've seen you illustrate and I know you write like creative writing, so I was going to say, and, and I haven't seen too much of it, but I feel like you are an artist. <laughs> I, it just doesn't, I don't know how else it would come out. So part of me is like, oh yeah, like astrology is like an art. So that kind of makes sense to me. But yeah, I just, I think you're an artist. And I think that's one of the things that I also admire is like, because I think, I don't know. I think that um, maybe people don't see you that way, but I do. I don't know. Aww. Thank you. <laughs> it, it, so yeah, art's something that's extremely private for me and there isn't very much I'm that private about, but like I'm like learning guitar right now and I like record myself playing and that's only for me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to share that with like anyone else, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and some of it's subconscious, you know, like I, I, I think I do still just have like insecurities about just like putting my art out there, but at the same time, like mm-hmm. I have found like interesting ways to like put my creativity out there. Like I um I used to not as much anymore, but I used to do the graphic design for my union and that's right. um but I'll also just do things like <laughs> one of the most things I'm most proud of is we um did this Christmas carol like I like led this Christmas caroling action at like a hotel that we were trying to organize and um we all dressed up as carolers and we even had a guitar and some fucking bells and shit and like um but I changed all the lyrics of the carols so that it called out the hotel for like being really (laughs) shitty to its employees and so I like doing shit like that like this subversive like creative shit yeah yeah that's one of the best stories and actions that you told me about like I really loved it because you told me too that the owner of the hotel's wife started like like paused and like kind of like wanted to watch and then it was only then right that they realized oh like this is this is against us <laughs> yeah we 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 didn't plan this but it just so happened that the the general manager and the his wife were eating dinner at the hotel's restaurant and so we got a good we got away with it for 30 minutes like we were just <laughs> in the lobby and you know we're supporting the workers so of course none of these workers were like tattling on us or anything they just let us like be in the lo- public lobby and just like did the giggles but yeah so soon as like the GM and his wife came down they stopped they were like oh my god how cute it's like carolers <laughs> but then they heard the lyrics and they called security on us and then we laughed <laughs> one of the best one of the best actions I love it oh my gosh wow I love the love fest that we just had oh my god Leo love fest. <laughs> should we stop there or should we keep going with the other questions what do you think uh, I guess it depends on how long the, like oh because you haven't even said your second one yet right Shoot. I can ask you um, one more we can do okay. that how about we do okay. that Ooh. um okay now I don't know which one okay I know which one okay the second question I have for you 
is describe the kind of art you enjoy most and why. Ooh, oh, I know you said it's private. Oh, yeah. No, I'm curious. Um, well, I was an art history major, so I'm not private about like the art I enjoy. Like I love paintings and sculpture and just like I love the visual arts and I just love going to museums and things like that. Um if I want to go like into real specifics, um yeah, I <laughs> I really, really enjoyed Italian art, which is why I went to go study abroad there mm -hmm. and got to learn, like, all of it, like, from, like, ancient Rome, Roman times mm -hmm. to Renaissance mm -hmm. and actually even medieval, too. I basically just, like, went over the centuries of just, like, Italian art. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, just a huge, huge fan of painting and sculpture. But in terms of, like, the art I enjoy creating, I, um, again, like Jana said, like, I have a lot of interests. And um, sometimes with some of them, I'll just, I, I, with all of them, I'll go deep to, like, some extent. But some I'll go, like, a little bit deeper. Um, currently, and then I just also have a bazillion different interests, but like currently, yeah, I've been really enjoying like playing guitar and like learning it on YouTube. And then last weekend I did oil painting with one of my coworkers and he was showing me how to do it using Bob Ross videos. <laughs> and I might explore that one a little more, but, um, but only if he'll like, let me go to his house and do it. <laughs> so I don't have to buy all the supplies and make the mess in my own home. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. And you also crochet. So there's that. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. I did get really back into crocheting again during this quarantine. Um, I've, It's been something on and off I've done since I was eight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I'm great. Yeah. I really like asking you like the questions about art. So. Oh, that was a great game. I like it. That was it. fun. I like it. We should put the links for the for both Instagram and the New York Times article in the description in case people wanna ask their loved ones these mm. questions. I will do that. I will type it at the bottom. I think that this like friendship love fest is actually really aligns with the show that we chose for today's uh, conversation. Um, yeah, Paula, this is actually the show that um, led to the creation of this podcast. Um, Paula and I today will be talking about the Netflix version of the Babysitters Club. <laughs> <laughs> yes oh my god so Janice and I were both huge fans of the books and we also watched the movie I don't know if folks remember the movie that came out mm -hmm. and then now there's this Netflix show so of course it was very natural that we saw the Netflix show and we both watched it and we both loved it and yes Yes. So we're both really, really excited to talk about this one. And um, do you, um, how would you sum up, like, what is the Babysitter's Club? Oh my gosh, yeah, I forgot to add a show description. But I would say that the Babysitter's Club in the first season of Netflix follows five um, teenagers. Are they teenagers? Yeah, they're middle schoolers. So oh, middle schoolers. Like 12, 13. Yeah. Forever. Actually, 13, because I think they're eighth graders. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So I would say the show follows the different lives of five preteens as they embark on starting their own small business, essentially, which is a babysitting club. <laughs> and so they um, also like go through the 
growing pains of being each other's friends. And we learn about um, some of their personalities, their families, and ultimately kind of like get a portrait of what it's like to grow up in this fictional place called Stony Brook, Connecticut. Um, and I remember being very young and looking up Stony Brook, Connecticut, like on <laughs> a map. Um, right? Like I wanted to go there because I thought, okay, well, if they're, f- if they're fake, at least let me see, you know, what, what they're like. And then I was really sad to learn that Stony Brook did not even exist. So yeah, that's kind of what it's about. Um, a lot of the books center around um, <laughs> oh, like whiteness, but really <laughs> like each book in the series um Uh, came with a perspective of the different characters so there was one that was about sort of like the main character Christy and then another book about Marianne who's her best friend another book about Dawn who is sort of like the new girl from California and ends up becoming Marianne's stepsister Um, and then there is Stacy who is the like I don't want to say like the New York socialite, but kind of she moves yeah. to Brook um, <laughs> with her parents. And um, am I missing anybody? Oh, and Claudia, Claudia Kishi, who used to be one of Christie's good friends growing up. And then so now that they know that Claudia is the only person who has her own phone line, um, they utilize her phone line to create the Babysitter's Club. So I really... I love I love the show. I love the books. I read the Little Sister series. I also watched the the Disney version of the Babysitters Club TV show um, in the like late nineties, early two thousands. Um, that was probably my favorite iteration of it, actually. So, I think it's a little funny that they kept the phone line thing in this version because like everyone has cell phones now, <laughs> but it really was a big deal in the books that like I didn't I don't know a single person who had their own ass phone line like in middle <laughs> school. Yeah, it was a big deal. You're right to have your own. Um, yeah, the, the funny thing is like right now, like my husband and I, we have one. <laughs> We have one just in case, like, because we know we're like, in a in a susceptible to earthquakes or wildfires, you know, and we know that the phone lines will likely still be intact. So that's why we have one. Um, but yes, I'm super excited. Paula and I both love the Babysitter's Club. Do you have any memories or um, favorite characters, favorite, um, you know, episodes or um, scenes from the series? Oh, gosh. I mean, um, well, first for the books, like, I just remember, like, being a kid and just loving that Claudia was Asian because, yeah, yeah, like, you know, like, in the 90s, we started, like, you know, they started doing, like, the whole diversity thing where, like, you know, each show had, like, one black character, one Asian character, maybe, like, one Latino character, and (laughs) it's, like, everything from, like, Captain Planet to Hey Arnold (laughs) to, like, all these shows kind of had started to do that, you know, but, um, I, and, you know, Power Rangers is another one with an Asian woman, but I think what I liked mm. about Babysitter's Club was that she was, like, a fully fleshed out, like, character, right? Like, she had, mm-hmm. like, a whole ass personality and wasn't, like, just this two-dimensional. Like, like the Yellow Ranger and, like, fucking Power Rangers, like, I can't remember one plot line about her. Yeah. Um, You're right. You're right. <laughs> it was always a fucking Kimberly and Tommy and, like, all of their just, like, sort of, like, sexual tension. I don't know if that's right to talk about with high school students. But anyway, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about. God. Anyway, so, yeah, I, I really, really, like, appreciated, like, yeah, just being, like, a kid in the 90s who, mm-hmm. um, yeah, didn't really, like, many of us, we just didn't see very much representations of ourselves. To see that in the Babysitter's Club was, like, really cool. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I also realized, too, that I got into the series because my elementary school had given us those, like, do you remember those thin paper scholastic ordering um, sheets? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just remember getting, everyone always loved getting those scholastic sheets, and I remember I wanted um, a Babysitter's Club book, and then my mom found that on the back there was a really good deal if you buy the series, and then the publisher will send four books every month. Um, to the to a reader and so that's how I was able to acquire like the whole series for the little sister series um, by the time I ran out of the little sis- little sister series books then came the like um, babysitters club ones but um, it came to a point where like my mom couldn't afford to pay those anymore so then she took me to the public library so it's really through the babysitters club that I was able one to like really love books I remember reading all four in one day because I just loved the series so much and then um, it it also led to like my love of like the public library system, which I've been talking to a friend, a friend about this. And we realized that the public library system is one of the most radical institutions that we have, right? And allowing people to check out books for free to get knowledge for free. Um, I mean, sure, there, there are other access um, situations there or access problems. Um, and it doesn't mean that libraries have been like um, exempt from any kind of ism, but I just really love that at least it started to develop my relationship with books and libraries. So yeah, so much love for the Babysitter's Club, so much love for friendship and these girls who also kind of became our friends, you know, as yeah. we read about their lives. I, um, I love those scholastic things too, but they also made me sad because like I actually never got to order anything from those because I spent most Mm -hmm. of my elementary school years in Okinawa. And so the shipping Mm -hmm. would have been just like insane. Plus my parents were like, it's too much money. But Mm -hmm. one of the good news, so we were living in Okinawa because my dad was in the Navy. And so we were living on a military base. And so one of the silver linings is that um, living on a military base means that like people are moving every four years. Like people are just constantly, constantly moving. And my parents were just like, um, and a lot of other military families, like were constantly just doing garage sales and like flea markets Mm. and swap meets and things just weekly. Mm -hmm. And I got the entire babysitters club series, like at that moment, plus the little sister club because some family was moving away and they sold every single one of their books. I also got like Mm. the, um, all the R.L. Stein books. <laughs> like that oh my one gosh, yes! <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh my god. Oh. And um, yeah, it wasn't until I moved back to San Diego in sixth grade where um, now they didn't have that anymore, but we still couldn't afford the Scholastic books. That's when I started going to the public libraries and um, mm. I didn't have any friends. And so I would just hang out at the library all damn day mm. and I just like read so many books. I, I love to this day. I'm like a member of our public library here too. I love the library. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know. I can't wait till the library is open so I could go to them here. So, yeah. oh my gosh. I love it. I am really excited. Um, Paula and I actually, since we already talked about this on the phone, <laughs> we just decided to share with you all uh, the signs, the sun, moon, and rising signs that we have chosen for each character. And, um, instead of us kind of sharing like what we each thought we are, since we've already agreed, we're just going to say like why we decided on this and what moments from the Netflix show have um, supported this idea. So yes. let's start with Claudia, our fave. Our fave. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought Claudia was a Taurus sun, a Gemini moon and a Leo rising. 
So um, I can I can go ahead and start, you know, with the Taurus sun. Uh, obviously, like one of the like, you know, um, most prominent traits about Claudia is just how creative she is. She's an artist yes. and she's like a really ambitious one, a really talented one too. And it's not just like in the art that she makes, but she's also just very stylish and she like loves like dressing up. Yes. And yeah. so I just think, I mean, with Taurus being a Venus ruled sign, it just tracks for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, maybe let's see. I don't, I don't know. Oh, I guess, can I talk about the Leo rising, I guess? Yeah. I mean, for all the reasons you just named, Leo rising, <laughs> especially her style. Like, I really love her style, and I've been, um, I've been re-watching the show and just thinking about the way that she put, or her stylist put together, um, all of the different outfits, like, especially, do you remember, like, this, like, pink floral dress with, like, almost, like, Imelda butterfly sleeves that she wears yes. to her mom's wedding? Yes. I fucking love that dress. It's so beautiful. I don't, I don't know if I would wear, I would, maybe I would, actually, who am I kidding? Um, I just really love that. I think that Claudia is a leader in her own way too, especially um, in contrast to her family, definitely in contrast to her older sister, Janine. Um, Janine just gives me so many like earth vibes, like Virgo or Capricorn or, you know, just something. And I just really love the way that she is kind of leading and standing out, like going, um, like interested in going to an art camp or wanting to attend an art school. I think that those are some of the ways that she leads like away from kind of like her expected family narrative. So mm -hmm. I love that. Can you talk about her Gemini moon? Yeah. You know, the, the Gemini moon discussion, like I remember when we had it, like we were actually like, I actually kind of was like thinking, Oh, maybe she's a Libra moon, but you made a really good case for her being a Gemini moon. I thought it was funny either way. We thought she had an air moon because mm. um, she's, I don't think she's like the most like emotional, like of the characters, mm -hmm. like by any means, which I think would explain like the air moon. But mm. um, I, I think what we were both trying to get at was just kind of like her duality sometimes too and yeah. I um and uh, and sometimes it could be like a little bit wishy-washiness as well um but yeah I um I remember like we felt really strongly about the air moon just because like she's not like the most like emotional um of the like I, I feel like of the characters Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I could totally see that. I I think the one episode I, I the episode where I actually left off and had to stop watching was the one where Mimi had a stroke, um, because I I I just felt that so hard. <laughs> Everything from like Mimi being unable to communicate, and then Claudia not knowing Japanese and not knowing how to communicate. Um, that was just like that was probably like the most the most emotional that we had seen Claudia. Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of where maybe even the Gemini moon kind of takes place because if not for family, she otherwise would not have shown that emotional side of her. Mm. Yeah. 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 I did like that. All Should right. Should we go to Christy? Yes. So okay. we, we thought Christy was an Aries sun, a Pisces oh moon, and then a Sag rising. Yes. This is one where I, I think we were both like, she's definitely a fucking Aries sun. Like, oh my God. Yeah. She... 
Christy yeah. <laughs> is like the self-proclaimed leader of the babysitters. Yes. And granted, it was her idea. And um, Aries, as well as the other cardinal signs, are really good at starting things. Like, and just like yeah. going with it. And so she did. She started the babysitters club. She was like, I want this and this and this done. But, um, oh my God, sometimes she's just so impulsive and mm-hmm. um, and aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Even. And, um, and she has to constantly reiterate that she's the leader you know like yes so like especially in the like the those like last episodes where they're at the camp right and she had the came into this camp having this like grandiose idea that she was like oh we're gonna like be like the babysitters we're like experienced babysitters and then like the counselor was like yeah no sorry and <laughs> she had the keep, like she has a she constantly is credentialing herself and I'm like mm-hmm. oh my god like you are gonna grow up and be like can I speak to your manager <laughs> yes you're gonna grow up and be like people are barbecuing in the park like that's what you're gonna do oh god I hope not (laughs) but yes but that is just kind of the personality she has Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah I think like Christy to me is like one of the most um difficult characters to watch because she clearly has leadership skills um she is very like outspoken which I think is really great for young girls to see but at the same time um she can be rude as fuck and it kind of like it's like borderlining um like I don't know white woman syndrome because I remember the episode where Dawn is joining the club and Christy's like oh well you know guests need to be cleared through me and then Marianne's like no which I really love about Marianne in that moment yes. she's like no <laughs> and then she fucking puts Dawn through the ringer when they said that she would need to babysit like one of the more difficult clients um, and then she does and she 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 um, babysits for that client multiple days in a row. And then it's like, what does it fucking take for Christy to see that Don is fucking down for this club? So when Christy is, <laughs> when Christy is just like, oh yeah, like you need to do this and that and this, like what actually is revealed in that is that Don and Christy are foil characters and that Christy is fucking upset that Don has an amazing relationship with her dad and Christy like cries about her dad issues, which is all warranted, but it wasn't, it should not have been taken out on Dawn, you know? Yes, which brings me to her Pisces moon. I yes. actually think she is one of the most <laughs> emotional characters, even though she really tries to put up this persona. She is like this, mm-hmm. like, tough boss type, you know? Mm-hmm. And no, she's so freaking emotional. Like, with, you know, understandably around her, like, the dad's stuff is just, like, messed up, but um, mm-hmm. her stuff with her mom is just sometimes also just, like, really hard to watch because you're also just like, oh my god, this is it's just like teenager shit you know and yep. just like how rude she is sometimes like with her mom I'm just like oh this is so cringe like yeah um <laughs> and but yeah I think she um and at the same time do though like Pisces moons are really like caring and it does come out in her babysitting like she is a really damn good babysitter and yeah. um, and not just with her clients but even just like with her own siblings and then her like now like half or step siblings Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the most Pisces moon moments for me is when uh, the club is upset with her about something. I can't remember exactly what. And then when they're kind of like making up and apologizing afterwards, when she asks them, am I still the leader? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my god. <laughs> it's like, yes, your idealistic ass Pisces moon is still the fucking leader. Yes. Um, I can't remember if it's the book or the movie or both where she has her like own ass chair, like a fucking like director's chair. <laughs> yes. I think it's all like all, I think in all, all iterations. It. Yeah. Oh God. That, oh God. That's so. Uh, yes. You're clearly and annoyed. <laughs> Yes, totally. I just, I don't know. I do appreciate her. I think I'm also a little annoyed at her sad rising that we have detected because, and I think that one of the examples I can think of is when she is tasked to babysit um, David Michael, uh, her little brother, and then Karen Brewer, her like new stepsister. And so (laughs) I remember when she is um, volunteering to wash uh, her new stepdad's car, Watson's car, and then uh, they can't find sponges and Karen is like such a trickster. Karen is like, oh, my dad keeps all his secrets in that room with the blue door. And then that's exactly where Christy goes. And it's like, Karen fucking dared you to go and you fucking went. You should not have gone because she locked herself in. And then from there, like uh, Karen and David Michael <gasps> scratch up the car with like steel wool sponges, you know? So yeah. all of that to me is an example of her just going and not really asking questions. And then it kind of pairs well with the airy sun. Like, she's just a little like arrogant in it so yeah that's my example (laughs) yeah you know she has like this both the Pisces moon and the Sagittarius rising right like they're Jupiter ruled signs and she's she's idealistic she really is Mm -hmm. and so it will lead to like these like moments like this or even around the club right and it it is also just like the positive side of it she is dreaming really really big for the club and Mm -hmm. it is like really kind of cool to see you know in someone who's a preteen to have just like this grandiose idea about this babysitter's club which by the way it's it's a it's a workers cooperative right because they like (gasps) do the jobs together and then they split the profits evenly (laughs) you're right you're right oh my god (laughs) yeah and they can be like it's a women's like (laughs) co-op oh my god yes yes and i think that's also what translates well like i think the writer writers who um put together this iteration of the babysitters club is one that definitely works for um this current society you know i think like it doesn't have some of those same mistakes or trappings that early 90s shows just as we've talked about like it doesn't have any of that it's it's a lot more inclusive purposefully inclusive um and i think that's one of the things that i admire in this context so unfortunately we still have like i don't know the like arrogant white girl but yes it is still a great iteration (laughs) all right Um, let's move off of arrogant white girls and let's move on to dawn (laughs) dawn we were just talking about yes so we thought dawn was a cancer sun a Virgo mm-hmm. moon and an Aquarius rising. And I think that scene you just referenced about her taking on that really, really hard babysitting job and doing it multiple times and taking it with stride. I could see all of those placements, but especially like the Cancer Sun and the Virgo moon like coming into mm-hmm. play. She just like didn't complain. She just fucking did it. And she was just mm-hmm. so empathetic to the kids, to their mom, who's just like cl- clearly struggling with all of it. And even just like the club dynamics too, like just understanding yeah. that she was a new person coming to this space. And there was clearly stuff around Christy that, and she didn't take it personally, which was just like really, really interesting. 
um, and mature. Mm. Yes, totally. And like, I think in the book and movie and show, um, they kind of chalk it up to this like um, modern alternative Californian just kind of like going with the flow. And it's like, no fools, that is her cancer sun. That is her Virgo moon, right? Like just being able to kind of weather all of these things. It's way more purposeful. Um, I think I really like the way that she meets Marianne too, just kind of like being the new girl, but not being like, um, kind of like, you know, sad about being the new girl, you know, um, I really like the way they meet and the way that she kind of compliments Marianne, like that sisterly connection is almost like it's present even in their first interaction. Um, and just the way that Don like makes space, like for Marianne to be like, Oh, like my friends are mad at me, you know? Um, I really love that. And then Don went into the whole club situation, like just really being willing to learn and understand what's going on and not taking it all in as like, cause sometimes I think that can be like a, a cancerian flaw of like, just being like, Oh shit, the, I, I'm responsible for all these feelings now, but no, yeah. like, she's not. <laughs> and I think the Aquarius rising helps with that too, of the like mm. not being able to kind of really take things personally and just really being able to see the collective and just like the bigger mm -hmm. picture, I think also totally helps with that. Um, yeah. On her relationship with Marianne, I, there's one episode where, you know, it's a Marianne focused one where she takes Marianne to this new moon in Scorpio <laughs> circle. <laughs> or full moon. I can't remember. It's one of the moons. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Marianne got really, really uncomfortable. Like in the middle of it, she decided to just kind of like walk out and yeah. Don goes after her and Marianne was just like, oh, I can't remember what she says exactly, but it's just it's like basically it's too much. And then Don mm. was like, okay, yeah. She was like, I get it. Like things are weird. Mm. And um and it's just I also yep. feel like the Virgo moon really pops in that scene because I feel like Virgo moons are just so good at just like really really like understanding getting people's like emotional needs and like whatever needs totally. but also just like not over emotionalizing it either yeah. or um yeah if she was just kind of like yeah she's like I get it Th these things can be overwhelming and it was just kind of like Let's yeah Yes. And then let's also, we must proclaim the way that Dawn led the workers or campers uprising. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Because <laughs> I remember when we were talking about this, we were wondering like, you know, what sign accounts for the fact that Dawn decided to like lead this like campers revolution against the, the oppressive staff members, you know? Um, and I really liked that it was serious. It wasn't just like, I mean, I think at first the adults, and this is why adults kind of suck sometimes is that they're like oh like this is not a problem this is just how it is you know and so I really love that Don was like the youth leader being like like we're not gonna stand for this why is this a very classist system within the camp that we already paid hella money for to to be in together and then we have all these skills why aren't we allowed to use and exercise them why can't we use these abandoned spaces that are available for us right like it's a fucking it ends up becoming um an attempt of mutual aid which I think is really beautiful and I remember we were like is she a Leo but wait like we don't know if there's fire and um, I really like that we settled on an Aquarius rising for Dawn because I think it's super fitting especially when she organizes this like you know this mobilization yeah I'm here for it. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like are. all of her, <laughs> I know. I love, I love protests on. 
and I wish we got to see more in the books. But I, I, yeah, I feel like all of her placements can really like I, I saw them all like kind of come out in mm-hmm. that storyline because, and it just makes me even think of just like my own coworkers and just some of my favorite organizers. Like I have at least two of like my coworkers who I'm closest with who are Virgo moons, and I have, and there are a number of Cancer suns. Um, and yeah, maybe I don't get along with them the best. <laughs> and my, my, at least in my office, not Cancer suns in general, but like the ones in my office, but they're good organizers. And um, yeah, I mean, Cancer at the end of the day, like really wants to like protect, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, sometimes it is defensiveness, but it really is like protection of like, not just themselves, but like their community and like the people that they really, really care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, I love Don. We stand on. Let's talk about Stacy. Yes, Stacy so- McGill. Stacy. So we thought she was a Libra sun, a Capricorn moon, and a Libra rising. And so she's a double Libra. And mm-hmm. we, I, the Libra is a little obvious in some ways where she's very, very stylish and just like super mm-hmm. proper and put together. And she also just has like crushes on everyone. <laughs> everyone. And- Do you remember? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you remember when they um they renovate or redecorate rather Marianne's room and then Stacy comes in and says, oh, This rug is my husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Libra season. This is a shout out to all the Libras again. <laughs> yes, they always look good. Always look good. Always look good. Yeah. And as for the Capricorn moon, like um, I, yeah, I, I, the moon, it's not the moon's favorite place. And I think one of the struggles with Capricorn moons is like denying or just like completely just being unconscious of their needs. And you see that come mm. out a lot with, um, especially with, you know, when it's revealed that she's been hiding that she has diabetes yeah. and, um, and all, yeah. And just like the fact that she felt like she like needed to hide it um but it was just also amplified by just like the fact that her parents were like also doing that and mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. yeah and then but even to like you know and this is related right and like in the camps like a scene where she ends up running into an old friend from her old school in New mm-hmm. York and um and the friend's like really trying to reach out and she's like look like Stacey like I really want to talk about this and just like Stacy was just like not about it understandably mm-hmm. I mean she was really really hurt by this friend but at the same time like they, she only talked about it when they both ended up getting poison ivy yep. and were both like stuck in the same hot like clinic room together and had no yeah choice talk. yeah <laughs> yes exactly I think like um with Stacy and her like Libra placements, people think that Libras are like, I mean, they definitely are right. Like great uh, group members, great teammates. I, I definitely think that's true. And so they're kind of always like associated with this idea that they can like balance everybody out. But then, um, I think that's really unfair for them too, because that also means like, they're also kind of like, you know, vacillating between one thing and the next, like, oh, like, should I tell them this with the, with her um, diabetes, which is also like an invisible illness. Right. And I really like the way the show kind of like complicates who Stacy is in it with her parents. Um, but yeah, like, just like, should I tell them? Should I not? Should I lie again? Um, you know, should I just like, uh, should I go take care of myself? You know, I think like, Stacy does have like a really good sense of herself too. Um, but yeah, we just see her kind of like 
in this like revolving door of like, do I, do I, should I do this or should I do that? Um, so I don't know. Stacy does have her moments where she's not vacillating. She is decided. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm trying to think like, she has like, uh, what is it? There's a, a one of the, her clients is Charlotte who says is like Stacy's favorite. So she loves, she loves that. Um, I don't know. I really like Stacy. Mm-hmm. I like her. I think I've liked all iterations of Stacy, whether it was the book, the movies, the first TV show, and then this one. I do like Stacy. Yeah, me too. I'm glad the other white girl in the show. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Also, like in with that, and like I know we didn't mention it with Dawn, but like Dawn sort of appears as someone who is like mixed, like a mixed young girl. And whereas like other iterations have, of Dawn have always been like a long-haired blonde white girl from California, right? I'm glad that they kind of eliminated that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's really important to point out in like this, like, I don't know, 2020 version of the Babysitter's Club. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that out because um, that brings us actually, I mean, our next character is Marianne. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Marianne is also um, mixed. She's black. Her father's white. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we thought Marianne was a Leo sun, a Cancer moon, and a Virgo rising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I remember when we were deciding this, like I had a hard time with the Leo sun. And then I realized, no, like Leo suns can still be leaders and very quiet. They can still care about how they look, even if they kind of dress in the same kind of style every single day. Um, and I remember when there's an episode where Marianne like asks her dad, her fucking, I think, either Virgo or Capricorn ass dad, who like always seeks control of everything, including what she wears and what her room looks like, which is like to me like doubly oppressive, especially as like a white man, right? Like, hello, your daughter is black. Like, can you fucking like empathize with her in some kind of way? Um, so anyway, I remember when Marianne's like, oh, can I change my hairstyle? Can I pick my own clothes? And then he's like, yeah, I never, um, I never, knew what else to do with your hair. So I always braided it, you know? Um, so I think we kind of see her Leonis pop out when she like, there's one scene where she's hella feeling herself in the mirror. And, and you know, granted she's like feeling her like um, fucking like white collar shirt, but it's still a really Leo moment. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we put her as a Virgo rising, which I think fits her style and appearance and just her demeanor mm-hmm. for sure. Like she is mm-hmm. like out of the group, like with the, one of the most, if not the most introverted of the group. Mm-hmm. And uh, if she's a Virgo rising, it would mean her Leo sons in the 12th house. And the 12th house is just like one of those like hidden houses in astrology. Mm-hmm. And so I think it really would mute her Leo son. But the other place where we really see her Leo son is um, in her acting. Like she mm-hmm. loves the theater and being on stage and she's like really really good at it and in the mm-hmm. camp scene too not only does she have to act in it but um she has to take over as director because i i forget the other person's name but um like stacy's old friend um ends up getting poison ivy and so and mm-hmm. mary ann's kind of again with the anxiety she's like kind of freaking the fuck out like i don't know if i have yeah. what it takes and i love that yeah. logan tells her like um because she starts thinking oh i gotta lead like christy i gotta lead like christy and then logan tells her no you gotta lead like mary ann and uh, yeah. as soon as that clicked for her i just feel like that's like the leo son again just like having like it's kind of hidden for her but she once she taps into it she like will fucking go 
Yeah. 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 I, I agree with you on that. I think with like, um, Marianne's cancer moon, I'm trying to think now, what are some of the ways that she has been like, I mean, I think she's always in her feels. Um, I think she is always aware of like what she can or can't do or like what would set off her dad. Um, and yeah, like it, it, you know, in the show, Marianne, and also like in her storyline, Marianne's mom passed away at a young age or a, when she was younger. Um, so we know that Marianne kind of lives with the absence of her mother, um, but still kind of like in her mother's presence because we see that like um, her dad misses her. We see that Marianne is in a room with her mother's art that was made specifically for Marianne. Um, and also like she carries, you know, in the storyline, right? She carries her mother in her, like her, the way she looks in her body. Um, and so, yeah, I think like Marianne, um, exercises her emotional strength and capacity in the way that she cares for so many different people like not only her friends and her dad um but also like her clients like we see her like she is kind of a badass when it comes to babysitting um it's very gentle but i really like the way that she leads her clients as well <laughs> yeah and i feel like that that that's where i see a lot of that cancer moon is mm -hmm. that like she mm -hmm. is like really really like yeah, she's a bomb-ass babysitter because she is really, really caring, but, like, really just also just knows, like, like, you know, caregiving is more than just, like, you know, like, being nurturing. Or be yes. Being nurturing is more than just, like, um, you know, like, comforting and, like, taking care of people, but it's also just, like, also being able to set, like, the right limits and boundaries and, like, holding, like, people accountable to them, too. And I feel like Marianne does a good mix of that, not just with her clients, but with the group. And yeah. I and I think there, yeah, I think there is emotional maturity there. Like, I, I like the storyline where, um, yeah, her and Stacy were, like, it's at the camp. And, um, they were on the beach and it's like Stacy's like head over heels over this lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, yeah. uh, um, and Mary Ann was like, chill the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. 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 She like, I, I remember that she like straight up tells Stacy like, Hey, like I want to have fun, but I was also hired to do this job. Like she really fucking gives it to her and fucking Stacy is over here, like trying to flirt with this boy who has no interest in her. So yeah, you're right. Um, Marianne's like leadership plays out. Uh, I think it's like sea city. They went on a week long trip to sea city. <laughs> oh yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I love Marianne. I do too. Um, our last character that we like randomly chose because we were so drawn to her. Uh, we wanted to, we could have just focused on the five girls, but for some reason, like we really wanted to talk about Dawn's mom and we wanted to figure out her signs too. Um, mainly because also like her mom and her uh, Aunt Esme, right? Like they have an interest in astrology as well. So we kind of wanted to shout them out. Do you know why we ultimately decided on Dawn's mom and not like Logan or someone? Um, no, I think that was pretty much it. We just thought she was, like, the most interesting. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely <laughs> the, the most the, interesting. We wanted to do a parent. We, I know we wanted to do, like, a parent, mm -hmm. um, but we felt like out of all the parents, she would probably be the most kind of, like, interesting to do. Yeah. So we thought she was a Gemini sun, a Libra moon, and a Leo rising. <laughs> and I mean, the Gemini oh, sun yeah. is just so obvious. Yeah, she's so fucking talkative. <laughs> <laughs> she's so talkative. She's like so all over the place. Like, it's just so funny watching Dawn, like, 
um, had to be the adult sometimes, not in, ever mm-hmm. in an inappropriate way. I think, you know, sometimes that can be like kind of toxic, you know, when a kid, the kid's kind of parenting the parent, but no, I think it's just yeah. like in that they balance each other out. Like Dawn's just obviously just so much more grounded and her mom's just kind of like, woo, like all over the place. <laughs> yes, totally. I think that yeah. airiness kind of contributes to it. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and I think um, I think for the Libra Moon, yeah, again, it's just like more air. <laughs> it's just like yeah, all the air, and just like really, just trying to like, yeah, I mean, just try to find just that balance. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think it's funny that she like got back to Stony Brook and was like, "I'm gonna jump into the dating scene <laughs> already." Right? Like, damn, yeah. Don's mom. <laughs> Yes, totally. I remember a scene where Dawn finds um, like a handheld blender in the living room and, and just kind of stating like, why haven't we unpacked within the calendar year in which we've been in Sunnybrook? And I just thought like, oh, that makes sense. Like the blender in the living room like that to me kind of represents Dawn's mom. Um, I also read that like Libra moons have a really good sense of negotiation. And I remember when Dawn's mom is helping the girls redecorate Marianne's room and then Marianne Marianne's dad gets so upset um, over his own, like, you know, male feels. But um, I remember when Don's mom is like, okay, girls, like, you know, uh, he's upset. Let's go. So I really like that because she didn't like blow up entirely at him. She understood in this moment, you are a parent. I'm a parent. And it's not about these girls. It's clearly about this man not owning up to what he's feeling. So I really like that. I don't know if it's read as negotiation, but to me, I read as that because it was like a compromise. Like, let's get them out of here. We have nothing to do with it. So I thought that was like a really smart, I don't know, emotionally intelligent way to deal with that situation. And I think, it was maybe that, yeah. that's Leo rising. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. I um, I know. I was trying to remember. I was like, why did we put that show the Leo rising? And <laughs> I, I can't remember too much, but I do, I do think that scene is, right? Like, I think we definitely see both the Libra moon and just, like, the Leo rising there. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she, like, knows how to lead when the time is right. Like, I hope we'll get to see more of her to just kind of see if there's just, like, other, like, kind of examples of that. But, mm-hmm. um. Mm-hmm. I mean, damn, she, like, up it, you know, she, she's, she, so she's recently divorced, and she, like, mm-hmm. you know, packed everything up, and just, like, up and left, and, like, moved back to Stony Brook, and it's just kind of, like, seems like she's living her best life. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Also, um, oh, never mind, I'll bring it up. I'm sure, I'm really interested in the Babysitter's Club, like, side characters, so I hope we get to talk about them again, too, one day. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, to wrap this section up, so I was mentioning to Janice that I, someone else on Astro Twitter had told me that the characters have birth- birthdays um, and from based on the books, and so it's, like, canon. It's And I was, like, telling her that, like, <laughs> um, some astrologers will, like, go super deep into, like, the, like, these fictional characters, like, character analysis like there's like another astrologer and astro twitter who um i guess is watching the search for Ella woods on netflix um and mm-hmm. in it there's a lyric where Ella woods goes like i'm a double capricorn um moon and a gemini sun and so then this person like was like okay if the musical's canon and it takes place on like this and this year then that means she was born on this and this 
year and so because she was 22 years old at the time <laughs> and uh. Uh, what and then she found the exact date for when there would be she would be the, the like there would be a gem the sun would be in gemini and then the moon and rising would be capricorn and pulled a whole ass birth chart for l woods so anyway the it is true apparently each of the main characters in the babysitters club do have known birthdays so i'm just gonna read them real quick and i'll like um also say what we thought their sun signs were and so um christy this is an interesting one christy was actually born on august 20 so she could either be a leo sun or a virgo sun and i and we thought she was an aries sun and i have a strong feeling that i have a feeling the writer knows astrology or at least sun signs and had in her mind that christy is a leo's son i would think it's fucking hilarious if she turns out to be a virgo because i could see wow i could totally see christy being a fucking virgo Wow, Paul, I didn't know you actually looked it up, but thank you for doing that. Oh my God. I'm going to write these down. <laughs> okay, so that's Christy. Claudia was born on July 11th, so she <gasps> is a Cancer. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought she wow. was a Taurus. <laughs> oh my God. I love that she's a Cancer. That makes sense. <laughs> Mary Ann was born on September 22, so that makes her a Libra. <laughs> Oh my god. And we thought Mary Ann was a oh my god, what do we think Mary Ann was? We thought she, she was a Leo. Leo. Yes. Yeah. Um Stacy. <laughs> actually Stacy is with fire. <laughs> Stacy oh, was damn. born on April 3. So that makes Stacy an Aries. Oh my god, I knew she had fire after all. Wow. Okay. Damn. Okay. And then Dawn was born on February 5th. She's an Aquarius. <gasps> oh my God. We thought, we, we thought she was a Cancer sun, but she's, we, we also chose an Aquarius rising. We knew she had Aquarius yeah. there somewhere. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. So, you know, for some we were, I mean, I feel like for all the reasons that we stated, we could now apply those pieces of evidence to these actual sun signs, but damn, this person definitely knew what they were doing. I, you know, I, I think one of my biggest heartbreaks too was learning that the author and M Martin actually had a ghostwriter too. Oh, um, Damn. Yeah. So I don't know who it was, but um, it's it's on her Wikipedia page. She definitely had a ghostwriter. That does explain the sort of mysterious author bio she had, where it said she lives in New York with her dog, with her dog, with her cat Jane. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> I always read that, but dang, that makes sense. Like I think I just kind of wanted to believe for a second that they didn't, um, you know, they weren't like these stereotyped versions of the signs either, but. Now that I look at them, they kind of are. <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, maybe we'll do, if, if we do a follow-up episode on this, like, I will try to see if I could pull out, like, full-ass charts for each of these characters, because we have to make mm -hmm. assumptions on what year they were born, and we we're going to assume they were all born, except for maybe Dawn, like, in Stony Brook, <laughs> in fake-ass yes. Stony Brook, <laughs> but yes. I can try. I could like, make attempts to, like, kind of see, like, assuming, like, the books take like if they were 12 at the time like that first book was written like trying to yes. figure out like what year they were born <laughs> oh that makes sense and then for Stacey it would be New York City so oh yeah shit really yeah Stacey would be New York City 
Wow. Okay. Damn. I'm a little, I still like our answers better. <laughs> I do too. I know. I'm like looking at them again and I'm like, <laughs> I have a fucking feeling they wanted to make Christy a Leo, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Like that August 20th date, it could go either way. <laughs> mm, I just disagree with her being a Leo because I mean, but actually I could kind of see it. Do you remember when she um, gets a new dress for her mom's wedding? Like, the way that she, like, loves the way she looks in it, and she's like, oh, the first dress makes me look like a banana peel, and it's like, ooh, it does. (laughs) (laughs) But also, it's not your fucking wedding. Like, I wish her mom had just had a few more conversations, like, hey, like, when this happens, I know you're in an important role, though. I would, she probably would have said yes to the new dress, but she did, but she should have definitely told her mom about it. Her mom was right with that. It was like, you guys should have talked to me, so... Yes, yeah, for sure. Little Leo. Okay. I love it. Yay. Let's do your reading, pal. Tell us um tell us when it gets better. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, <laughs> um no, I feel that. It's been <laughs> it's been rough. And so no, um the thing I really wanted to focus this reading on um this week's reading on is you know, what's coming up, actually, um, you know, at the time this episode comes up, so for many of you who are going to be listening on the Monday, October 19th, we're going to be getting the second Mercury-Uranus opposition. So I talked about this a few episodes back that um, the first time it happened was just kind of like a precursor to Mercury retrograde. And um, just to back up a little bit, just to explain like what an opposition even is. So It's important, of course, like, you know, what signs the planets are in, but you also want to see how the planets are relating to each other, because each of these planets, like, what doesn't change is, like, their goals, like, they're all trying to do something, like, Mercury is always going to be about communication, Venus is always going to be about connection and unity, Mars is always going to be about, like, taking action, and, you know, they they all kind of have, like, these kind of fixed roles that don't go away, but what changes is the sign that they're in because like the sign basically just determines like what kind of resources they have to be able to do the thing that they want to do and some signs are better environments for them than others and then their relationship to each other is going to be a whole ass other thing because like they can help each other they can get in each other's way and so um And so that's when things called aspects um, come into play. And so there are, I won't go into all of them here, but there are different ways, like, you know, when like planets are in the same sign together versus like when planets are in opposite signs of each other, that's when, that's what it means when they're in opposition. And so in this particular case, we have Mercury, Mercury retrograde in Scorpio and then we have Uranus in the opposite sign of it which is in Taurus and so when planets are in opposition with one another it's um it's literally that like they're in opposition with one another there's like a balancing act that needs to happen and there's gonna be tensions like almost a tug of war between these planets so like Mercury is like all about like communication and ideally it's clear communication um but Mm -hmm. one it's retrograde and then two it's like in opposition with Uranus and Uranus is like kind of um Uranus can be chaotic, but Uranus can also be just like unsettling and just like full of surprises and just kind of really wanting to shake things up. And the mm. good that come can come from that's innovation, but the not as good or the challenges that can come from that is instability. It's, um, you know, just sudden um, mishaps or, and so when you're relating that with communication, right, it's just like, oh my gosh, like it could be, um, 
it could be anything anything goes with uranus unfortunately and so when it like kind of fucks with our communication that could be surprise revelations like either from us ourselves Uh or from other Uh people it could be surprise news it could be like all of those kinds of different things um but again uranus is a wild card so it could also just mean nothing at all (laughs) And that's just the most annoying thing about like Uranus opposition sometimes is sometimes they'll just like pass and it's just like, oh, nothing happened. Again, it's just kind of like anything goes. And so since this is the second time it's happening because Mercury station retrograde. So what that means like is it's now like kind of seemingly like moving backward in the sky. And so Mercury had already, you know, like made its opposition aspect with Uranus like two weeks ago past Uranus and then station retrograde and now it's going backward toward Uranus and so that's what we're seeing on October 19th and so um what I would suggest to anyone out there is just to look back at the first time it happened which was October Mm -hmm. 7th and see what could put like there's similar themes that could kind of come up again um and so I think that's just kind of the best clue for just kind of what to expect on that day and maybe actually really just throughout the week and All of this is just part of just the bigger Mercury retrograde story. As I said earlier, Mercury stationed retrograde on, I'm always blanking, I keep messing up the date. It happened on October 13th, so it just happened just a few days back. And so Mm. um, now we have Mercury retrograde until November 3rd, and um, these oppositions are just kind of like part of that story. And Mercury and Scorpio is, like as I've said in this podcast before, it is, I think, about... um, digging deeper about secrets possibly kind of coming out up to light and um and that could be introspective it could be kind of like it could deal with other people it could be like a number of different things and so um and then on top of all of that we had a new moon in libra that i do really want to talk about because it is uh more intense than usual a new moon and especially with a new moon in libra mm. i think uh, you know typically we would expect something to be it to be like really lighthearted and social you know just kind of these libra things right new moons are like new beginnings mm-hmm. so it's like oh it just kind of sounds like you know generally it is fun times but unfortunately not this time <laughs> um jesus <laughs> i know uh, this this new moon in libra happened again it happened on october 16th and it was almost exactly opposite Mars and Aries, because again, Libra and and Aries are in opposite signs. And then Mm -hmm. it was also squaring Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn and square aspects. So that's when planets are like approximately 90 degrees apart from each other are also very tense like it's yeah there's it's, it's tense it's not there aren't a good relation it basically means saturn and mercury are not in kind of the best relationship with each other right now and then like mercury and mars are also like not in the best relationship right now and like again if mercury wants to communicate or sorry why am i talking about mercury i'm talking about the moon um <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, so the new moon in Libra is, like, making all these challenging aspects with both Mars and Saturn, and if the moon is just, like, about, like, our physical needs and nourishment, and it's about these kind of new beginnings, because it's a new moon, then, um, Mm. yeah, these Mars-type things and these Saturn-type things are going to get in the way, and so that could be everything from, like, how do you hold yourself back, or how are you being just, like, limited by external circumstances, um, 
are there self-destructive tendencies and impulses that are also kind of getting in the way or desires like all of that's just going to be kind of coming out with this new moon and i think i was telling janice this the dream i had last night which is the night of the new moon i think actually perfectly exemplifies the mood of this new moon in libra and that's i had this weird dream that i was getting all dressed up to go clubbing and i went by myself and then when i got there instead of actually clubbing and like trying to meet people and like hook up with people (laughs) i ended up I was all dressed up too. I ended up just hanging out in the employee only smoking area and I don't even smoke and I, I just had my drink out there and I was just sitting outside in this area by myself and it was a few stories up and then I looked <laughs> I looked down on the ground level and I saw this like man who was trying to like corral a cassowary. Like Janice didn't uh-huh. even know what a cassowary was. I had to explain no her <laughs> which I, I think most normal <laughs> people have no idea what a cassowary is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant bird it, it looks it's a kind of like an ostrich or like an emu <laughs> got it and i actually googled what what does it mean a dream about a cassowary and cassowaries actually symbolize like needing to be more open-minded and tolerant and like understanding that people oh, wow. have the same viewpoint as you and i was just like damn like all of this entire dream it's like it basically like i feel like perfectly encapsulates this new moon in libra where it's like yeah i think libra really wants to usually be happy fun social times but unfortunately now it's just it's just not a really good time for that for a lot of just whether it's external circumstances we were talking about with covid and cases going up to um yeah just it's just uh, it's kind of a mood right now it's things are yeah. hard right now Damn, I just looked up a cassowary and it looks like an aggro peacock. Yes. <laughs> Peacocks are aggro, but this one for sure, like without the peacock feathers. So, damn. Yeah, That's look crazy. at its, it's fucking claws. Like they they have like these really giant like <laughs> like oh. claws. Yeah. They're oh, yeah, no. Shit, they look like teeth. Oh my god. These are yeah, huge. no, they're they can be really dangerous. Um, so yep, yeah, cassowaries. Wow, cassowaries. You know, um, really quick, like, um, I just had this strange memory of like when we used to go clubbing all the time. Um, and <laughs> I remember once, I think I forget whose birthday it was, but we went for someone's birthday, and then I remember like I met this random dude from Canada who was in San Diego for the first time with his friends. And then um, they had a table and I was, you know, like anyone who had a table is like, so it's so great to meet someone who has a table because they can get free drinks, you know? And so I remember like I went to their, him and his friend's section and um, I, I remember thinking like, oh, they're like, oh, do you want to drink? And I was like, yeah. And then they're like, oh, oh, like passing one to like some other girl in the section. And then you were there. <laughs> do you remember that? I was like, how'd you get here? And you, were, you pointed at some guy. And then you're like, how did you get here? And then I pointed at some guy. <laughs> but I just remember that because I was like, how did you get here? <laughs> I don't know. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. Remember? Yes, barely. You know, like, I don't have too many barely. memories of our clubbing, like, specifics because, you know, we were drinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> my one memory of, like, when we went clubbing was, or the, one of the most vivid memories was when we went to Vegas one year, there was, like, a night where we, yeah, we were at the club, and it was just, like, you know, like, I, I don't, I don't, like, I, I usually find it really easy to hook up, and I, it was just one of those nights where I just wasn't finding anyone, and I was pissed, and <laughs> all of you had 
someone. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? And uh, I was irritated. And so I left. I like stepped out of the club and I went out to the, um, you know, to the floor where all the machines were. And I think I was just like uh. sad. And I was just like, I'm just put $5 in the slot machine. And like on the first uh-huh. fucking like, pool I got $200 yeah. <laughs> yes I remember that and I was like this is such a weird night because I was like typically I don't talk to anybody <laughs> that was such a weird night but yeah that was such a weird night and I I actually should want to share that story because I want to bring it back to yeah I, I think it is tough times um right now with the astrology and just like with the world and I mm. think a lot of us are just kind of like isolating either whether we like it or not you know either it's due to covid Mm -hmm. or because like our just energy is just there and so when I think about this dream of like stepping away from like the clubbing Mm. and like kind of being alone like with myself um whether it was like in real life you know like um at this actual club in Vegas like 12 years ago or like in this dream like um yeah I think finding these moments where um what, well, yeah, what can you, like, I guess just really, really, like, learn about yourself in this solitude, and what, why mm. are you uncomfortable, like, right now, and when I look back at that time with the clubbing, like, why was it so uncomfortable for me to, like, not be, like, able to find mm. a dude on the dance floor for, like, mm-hmm. once, and look at the treasure mm-hmm. I ended up getting. I got $200, <laughs> so yes. that's <laughs> Oh, my God, you're right. Yeah, and I feel like that's a real thing. Like, I really like that you kind of, like, made your own happiness in that moment, you know? <laughs> um, but also, can we talk really quickly about the realness of being bored at the club? Like, that's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember once you and I were so bored that we sat together on like at some lounge and we just watched all the white men try to get at all the women and I remember you so skillfully narrated um looking at this white guy look for a woman as a mating ritual and you did it the way that like animal the animal show or like National Geographic would do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like I did a really terrible like Australian accent like I'm like <laughs> fucking David Attenborough or something like fucking <laughs> narrating this nature documentary that's like right yeah. in front of us yes that was yes. so fun <laughs> oh my gosh it was so funny because I remember you're like the white male attempts his mating call and is immediately rejected by the white female <laughs> <laughs> being born in the club you find little nuggets like that (laughs) little silver linings in the boredom oh my god yeah I just that's so funny that's so so many memories and so few memories but I remember that um very fondly so thank you for narrating that day or that evening I should say um I guess I will go into my reading did you have more pal before we move on that's all okay cool I am going to read a poem written by a poet named Rachel Cruz. Um, Rachel's poem is called Self-Portrait as Claudia Kishi, Vice President of the Babysitter's Club. And I remember now that Claudia was only named the Vice President because she was the one who had the phone line. So um, they wanted to make sure she had like a high leadership role. So I really love that. I'm going to read the poem after I read Rachel's bio. Rachel Cruz is from Hayward, California. She is the author of God's Will for Monsters, 
uh, published by Inlandia in 2017, which won an American Book Award in 2018 and the 2016 Hillary Gravendike Regional Poetry Prize. She was appointed the 2018 to 2020 Inlandia Literary Laureate. She is a lecturer in the Creative Writing Department at the University of California, Riverside, an Emerging Voices Fellow, a Kundiman Fellow, and a Vona Writer. She lives and writes in Southern California. Um, yeah, Rachel is an amazing poet and teacher. And I just sat in on one of her talks earlier this week with UC Riverside, where she talked about like, um, essentially like decolonizing the writing workshop. And I really loved it. So anyway, here's a poem. Self-portrait as Claudia Kishi, Vice President of the Babysitter's Club. I survived Stony Brook, Connecticut by gorging on Doritos, gummy bears, and red licorice, plastic wrap jewels hidden in the locked diary of my bedroom. This town of mothers drunk on margaritas while passing out, on, while passing out Halloween candy. This town of fathers who talk loudly and leave a single button of their polos open. We knew we'd found our niche. I admit it, I slept on the job snuck bites of Ben and Jerry's fish food and frozen chicken nuggets. I snooped. Once I found some other secret stash, loads of KY jelly, technicolored condoms, and a smudged picture of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. This is the stuff unremembered, not written. You know, the real stuff. Christie's coming out. Marianne's imaginary Logan, that Jan Brady of a girl. Stacy dealing with Ativan. Oh, sorry, Stacy dealing Ativan. <laughs> <laughs> to NYU undergrads in Washington Square Park. Here are my almond eyes seared open. Here's my braided carpet of black hair twisted into a side ponytail. Sugar packets spill from my jean pockets as I empty them for bus change. My last white suburbia. Ooh, I love this poem. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to talk briefly about self-portraits and why poets use self-portraits, um, especially with words. And I think that poets are able to examine themselves and examine things simultaneously. So like if I could see myself as an apple, right? Like what do I share with it other than sometimes I feel round, you know? Um, and I think about this too, like I was um, speaking to a class a couple of weeks ago and I tell them like I tend to look for things that are very Filipino and like non-Filipino things. So like if I were to even just look at my glasses, like I think like, oh yeah, I have so many uncles who have the same kind of glasses, you know, like it's just like a lens for me. And so I think self-portraits just become a lens to see yourself. Um, and a lot of poets like um, our U.S. Poet Laureate, jo Harjo, Joy Harjo, she says like writing is seeing. And so sometimes we need to see things from a different angle, whether it's like farther away or if it's like emotionally present or removed or if we need to get up a little closer, right? Like self-portraits allow that kind of distance, whether it's like close or far. Um, so I think that's why I really love self-portraits and poems. And there are so many of these, like, um, I can't think of any off top, um, but there are so many poets who use a self-portrait as a device to see themselves. So yeah, it's a good attempt at a writing prompt. Um, I like this poem not only because we talked about the Babysitter's Club, but because Asian, um, uh, sorry, Claudia Kishi is an Asian American icon. <laughs> 
And I think that she is one of the only fictional characters, like as Paula talked about, who seems very real to us, like especially since like this whole podcast we have been talking about representation and like what does that really mean? Um, and I think like Claudia was one of the first fictional character characters offered to us in literature and art who was like fucking full, like a full ass person. Like we could see her family, we could see her flaws, we could see how much she hated school, especially math. I hated math and so I could really relate to Claudia on so many different levels. Um, and I also think like Claudia was dope because she existed to dismantle the model minority myth. Um, and the model minority myth existed to make it seem like Asian Americans were more successful and therefore other people of color could be just as successful, especially in a white lens and a white culture. Um, and Claudia Kishi was not that. Like she was like, I don't excel in some ways and I do love art and art is one of the ways that I find excellence. So I really love that about Claudia. Um, but also just to get back to the poem, <laughs> I think the poem mimics early 90s culture by talking about like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, um, the like stash of jelly beans. I don't know if we got to talk about it, but Claudia does love sweets, which is also another way that she kind of like does away with like, I don't know, just like stereotypes by kind of loving, like um, having a lot of desire and pleasure for things that we're told we shouldn't have a, a lot of, especially at a young age. Um, I also like the way that the poet reimagines uh, Claudia's best friends with real issues like by saying like Chrissy's coming out and like Marianne's imagined Logan who looks like Jan Brady which actually I, I could see that now um I really like that I really like that um the poem ditches this like whiteness that has like consumed them and also failed to see see her and her friends as they really are um so yeah I also wonder if the poet did these things that Claudia does like eat hella candy or um you know, like, criticize the, like, white moms and dads that, like, always are seemingly hiding things, you know, keeping secrets about who they actually are. Um, and then what a great contrast that you have these young girls who are attempting to be their fullest selves. So, um, yeah, I think it is a great poem about self, but using other people to talk about self. So, yeah, that's what I like about self-portrait of Claudia Kishi. Um, what do you think, pal? Any comments? That was all Oh, so many comments. First of all, I do really like this poem and I'm really glad you explained like what self-portraits and poetry are because it's even making mm. me think about, I, I might have mentioned this, but every morning since quarantine started, I've been writing a haiku on my whiteboard. Mm. And so now I'm kind of like, oh, I wonder if I'll just like kind of start like a self-portrait like haiku series, like as part of like my daily mm. haiku. And I, I, I actually think I'm going to, I think I might attempt that. But yeah, with the poem itself, I, I love it. Like, I think you brought up like a lot of good points. I think on the whiteness, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I think the reality is, and this is something that was a little hard to relate for me reading the books, was that they are mm -hmm. in this upper middle class white suburban neighborhood. And mm -hmm. I could, you know, in the books anyway, like the, the show, like, you know, they, they've diversified the characters a bit. Even, but even the show, it's still suburbia, right? Um, yeah. but in in the books especially it's like yeah it's it appears to me that claudia is like the only person of color in the group and she probably is very well one of the few people of color in this whole neighborhood and what it and so to see this poem where um 
yeah. it, it's whiteness at the, in the spotlight, but it's like also like not like the good sides of whiteness. It's like the, yes. you know, the um, yeah, <laughs> the suburban drunk moms and the, you know, just kind of like the eh, parts about like suburbia and this upper middle class life. But that was one of like the things I didn't like about the books was just Mm. how hard that was to that part was to relate to like you mentioned that you've read the little sister books too and I remember I read Mm. those as well and I like them but at the same time I was just like man like Karen's got two of everything like I don't even have one of like a lot of the things she has (laughs) yes you're right I think like one of the difficult things is that it instilled in me that like default white narrator that I have been like working so hard to like remove or working so hard to like work against. And um, sometimes I like talk to my students about it. Like when I ask them like, who is the narrator? Who is the speaker of this particular poem or piece? A lot of them don't know what to say because it is assumed that the, the narrator is white, you know, unless otherwise stated. And I think that's one of the difficult things too, is like knowing that at the end of the day, the person who created Anna Martin, right? Who created Claudia Kishi is a white woman, right? Like it's almost never going to be divorced from this idea of white culture and whiteness in the voice. Um, so yeah, you're right. I'm glad you pointed that out because in some ways the babysitters club is an iteration of a master narrative for like young girls in America. So, um, we need to write our own. (laughs) For sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Should we do our shout outs? (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead, pal. Oh my gosh. Shout out to naps. I, I might take one right after this. Actually, I'm really tired. Okay, same, 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 same. And you've been up for hella long. So yes, you deserve a nap for sure. Yes. Um, I want to shout out poetry and plants. So poetry, because I had that awesome workshop earlier this week with my friend that we organized. Um, so I'm really glad that we organized that poetry workshop. Um, and I want to shout out plants just because I have definitely become a plant bitch during um, shelter in place. And I'm actually <laughs> going to go to a nursery, a couple of nurseries later on today with my friend. Um, and I've been looking forward to it all week because I was like, I, only, I don't want to go out that much. But yes, shout out to poetry and plants. Um, oh, I have one more. I wanted to shout out Alicia Silverstone, who plays Christy's mom on the show, bringing us like hella 90s realness. So, Holy I, shit, how did I not notice that? Oh my god, I thought you knew that. <laughs> yeah, oh my dude. god, everything <laughs> just like, <laughs> everything just clicked. <laughs> like, wait, what? <laughs> everything shifted. Yeah, it's Alicia's episode, you know, giving a share. Yes, um, oh my god, yeah. 90s icon. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. I really thought you knew. I was going to say something earlier, but I'm glad I kind of saved it for now. <laughs> uh, that's fucking hilarious. I think it's so funny that so many of these 90s actors are like, like Riverdale is like all yes, the parents are Molly played Ringwald. by these folks who are from sh- like, you know, shows like 90210. And yeah. Like, like, Right. Yeah, yeah. or mm-hmm. even freaking Ch- we talked about Chad Michael Murray is one of the parents on Riverdale. <gasps> like, geez, he oh was a two thousands teen. Yeah, and he looks way hotter. <laughs> so much hotter now. <laughs> Every time he, I, I, I know, I he's like clearly very evil in the show. But every even even Mister Lodge too. I'm like, man, I yeah. think the dads are the hottest part of Riverdale. <laughs> like. 
all of that. Dad's a Riverdale. That should be a new show that we do. (laughs) (laughs) It's a new show we never thought we wanted, but here we are. (laughs) And they just like drink beer and scheme in the darkness without shirts on. Except, can we, like, not include Hal and not include, oh, yeah. like, Cheryl's fucking dad? <laughs> That's for fucking Yeah. They're None of them. <laughs> I would be down to see, um, what's his name? Uh, FP. FP. Yes, FP is would be so down. fucking hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Okay. Anyway, I was not expecting to shout out the dads of Riverdale. But <laughs> shout out to the dads of Riverdale. It sounds so corny, kind of like um, Thunder from Down Under. You know, it just sounds so bad. Oh, God. It's so bad, but so good. The spin-off, <laughs> dads of Riverdale. Yes. Oh my God, it's so gross. But yeah, shout out to them. Shout out. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye.